Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for a hundred 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers' Comp, Resource Management, LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In New Orleans, the summer is long and hot. Initially, our attempt to live with the heat was architectural. We built raised buildings with high ceilings. Financially, that made a lot of sense. After all, you can only build a building once. Our current method of dealing with the heat is financially not so smart. Every single building buys and maintains equipment that manufactures refrigerated air. This requires so much energy that paying for it becomes one of the biggest monthly expenses in our lives. Our main attempt at combating this expense is to insulate our walls and ceilings to stop the heat getting in and to stop our expensively cooled air getting out. The one thing we don't seem to have thought about is the single biggest interface between our house and the sun, and that's our roof. That's where David LaMoran comes in. The type of roof most of us have absorbs 80% of the sun's rays. David's Green Star Cool Roof Coatings reflect 80% of the sun's heat. David, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. At the opposite end of the environmental spectrum, Stacy Armitage <laughs> is not fighting to keep the outside out. She's fighting to keep the outside in existence. Stacy is the manager of Southeast Louisiana Refuges Complex. Now that includes Bayou Sauvage, a 25,000 acre wildlife refuge within the New Orleans city limits. Uh, Stacy, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Stacy, we need the wetlands and barrier islands as protection against hurricanes and we want to retain the wildlife they support, but beyond life and death, wildlife refuges have a significant economic impact. Uh, Bayou Sauvage and the other refuges in Southeast Louisiana are part of a nationwide wildlife refuge system that reportedly creates 27,000 jobs and generates $1.7 billion a year. Where does all that money come from? And maybe it's important, where does it all go? That's a great question. All that money comes from our visitors. They're coming to utilize refuges for outdoor recreation, whether it's hunting and fishing, wildlife observation, photography, you name it. They come to our refuges and in turn they generate income for the local economy by staying in hotels, buying gas, visiting the local convenience store to buy a po' boy, Um, you name it. I'd like to think that po' boys added up to 1.7 billion. That would be a lot of po' boys. They well, I, I'm new to New Orleans, so I, I could see it generating a lot of income. They're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, we mentioned Bayou Sauvage because that's just so big. 
and it's it's right here. What are the other uh, areas that you're kind of in charge of here? There's eight refuges within our complex. Bayou Sauvage is the closest to New Orleans. As you stated, it's about 10 miles outside of New Orleans, just past New Orleans East. There's Brig Branch Marsh, um, Bogachetta, Atchafalaya, Mandalay, Delta Breton, and um, Bayou Teche. So eight refuges in all. But you did mention we're part of a national system, and all told, those are, there's over 560 national wildlife refuges across the United States. And do you, do you charge people to come in? Some of them do, but we don't. In southeast Louisiana, we don't have any entrance fees. David, once you think about it, the seal tab roofs most of us have on our houses are actually heaters. Uh, they absorb heat, and if you've ever been in your attic, you know they radiate it. Uh, a heat reflective roof sounds ridiculously logical, but given that most of us in New Orleans have relatively new roofs, just because we replaced them after 2005, how likely is it that your cool roof system can be adopted uh, kind of in a widespread fashion here? Well, it's more effective. Uh, even if you have a brand new roof, in fact, the roof that we put on, we put, as soon as it was brand new, we put the coating on top of it. On top of the existing roof? Yes. Okay. So the, right. the challenge here is to stop the heat before it ever gets into the attic. Of Primarily, we do commercial buildings. So before it gets into that space in between where the tenants are. What happens is people, they think of foam, foam insulation to put the foam in there. Well, the problem is, is the roof still gets hot enough to fry an egg. We stop the heat before it gets into the attic. We cool it down by 50 to 60 degrees instantly, and that's a huge reduction. 50 to 60 degrees? Instantly, the moment it goes down. Is it, be is it just because it's white? Yes, yes. There's a special pigments in the coating that make it do this. These are IR, or infrared blockers, uh, and that's how, it, that's how it does it. Now, how is this done? Um, like, did, did you invent this product? I did not. Uh, I found one of the top three manufacturers in the country. There are a bunch of different coatings out there. I did a lot of research, found out which ones were the best, and those are the ones that we utilize for different situations. So there's different kinds of roofs. There's metal roofs, there's flat roofs, there's uh, sloped roofs. So each one has a little bit of a different component to right. it. Um, and we have the right ones for the right situations. Are you starting with commercial and then going to work your way to residential? or? As it is right now, so we can make more effective, we can make more difference, we can make a bigger impact by doing commercial. So we can, so it would take 100 residential houses, 200 residential houses for what we can do with one commercial. So our goal is just to reduce the carbon offset, to reduce the energy demand, to reduce the utility bill. Um, and then the other big thing is it weatherproofs the roof. So it's now waterproof and it's wind resistant. So it's seamless from start to finish. There are no every, on a traditional metal roof, every three feet, you have a, a seam. Yeah. And that's why most of us, most of the commercial businesses lost their roof in a storm, is the wind gets under the seam, thank you, it vibrates the seam, and it opens up the panel. Once it's sealed and coated and waterproof with this technology, it makes it completely seamless. Yeah, not to make this more complicated, yeah. but what if you had solar panels? Yes, actually, so it increases the effectiveness of solar panels. So if you're going to do solar panels, and if you think about the installation of solar panels, when they put it in, they put a big rack system in there. And all those rack systems, they mount to the roof. So you're actually putting more holes in the roof. So it would make sense to waterproof the roof with this system, make it solar reflective, and then put the system in. Now, there's a new technology with solar panels that we're exploring. It's a dual-sided solar panel. So all the solar panels that you see out there right now 
have a single side. Right. What we can do is we can kick it up on about a 30 degree angle, use the sunlight reflected from the solar reflective roof, from the coating, bounce it to the underside of the panel, collect 30% more energy, and then the beauty of this is you can tie in the cost of the roof coating into the percentage for the uh, reduction Jeez, in energy credits by the solar panel industry. Stacy, when I, I meet folks in your end of the business, I, I really want to ask them, how's it going in the last 10 years? Are, are, we, making, are we making headway to protect uh, these, these areas? And, and, and really something people ask me all the time is, can it be done? I think absolutely we're making progress. It may be baby steps at times, you know, um, but it, it certainly can be done. And what are, are some of them, uh, some ideas working better than others? Are they trying a lot of different things? Of course, you know, it's um, trial and error a lot of times. We're, we're dealing a lot with Mars restoration after Hurricane Katrina and trying to recreate the resiliency back into the marsh ecosystem. So that's trial and error planting marsh grasses, what sort of species of grass is more resilient than others and takes faster. Um, so yeah, definitely it's trial and error. Now David, if, um, if we're able to, like how many, how many of these uh, res, uh, commercial buildings have you done so far? So far we've done about 39 roofs. Um, we've a offset, I've done the calculations on the Department of Energy's website, we've offset close to 7.4 million tons of CO2 from the air, metric tons of CO2 from the air, the equivalent of. Wow. Now, when you, how would you pitch a um, business that's got a pretty substantial size building on the economics of it? I mean, first of all, I think on, a, on, a, on the basis of uh, just being the right thing to do, it seems like a, mm -hmm. a good sale there. But on the economics, what, obviously they've got a lot of upfront costs, yes. but how long is the payback? So the payback, depending on size, it can vary between three to six years. So it depends if your space is air-conditioned or not. If your space is air-conditioned, then it's much faster. What happens is, the, another benefit is, is that it's depreciable within the first year. So if you replace your roof, you'd have to depreciate it over 39 and a half years. If you go with this system, you can write it off within the very first because it's considered a maintenance expense. The other benefits are that it, it reduces the peak energy. So if you, if you have a an energy charge that's charged by a spike like a restaurant it wouldn't be spiked as hard because of the um, the, the push to turn on all the air-conditioned units at once and and those sorts of things and when you know when President Obama first took office uh, he talked about this kind of initiative of making the ruse way and I don't know some people thought it was was crazy and such but I mean I don't know where that initiative went to but this makes a lot of sense yes it's still out there it absolutely works uh, there are other parts of the country California has actually mandated this. Uh, it is under Title 24. I went there last summer to do some research on how they did that. Uh, they coded a quadrant. They took Los Angeles, broke it down a fourth down, and they coded all the roofs white. And they're, they have a bigger area than we do, but they have something, and we have something called the urban heat island effect. So that's when you have dark surfaces from the roof and the roads getting hit by the sun, absorbing the sun rays, the, sun, the sun's rays, and then keeping it there, keeping that heat there and re-radiating it. When they coated the roofs in this part of town, they cooled the whole area, the whole that part of the city down by four degrees. That's big. That's a big difference. So once they, they saw that work, they passed it up to the building council, building council approved it, the mayor approved it, the governor, I believe, and then they passed the law. Uh, it's also law in New York, 
Miami. Um, France just passed a law that they have to do this. So, like Louisiana and most things, they catch on last. Well, you know, we, we're on the forefront of it. So. You know where we didn't, though, is kind of surprisingly, is in solar credits. Mm-hmm. We kind of we're out ahead on that one. So maybe we'll we'll get. Can I add something to that? Because that's very sure. important for wildlife as well. And we're an important migratory path for waterfowl. And when they're flying over the cities and they see those dark sinks, they may unfortunately think that they're water and try to land. So it can steer them off course. So that's also a very important really? principle for wildlife. Wow. And you know, into that, the, uh, the green roof. So there's two kinds of roof. There's green and li- uh, living roof, mm-hmm. which is a green roof. That also helps with the wildlife in that birds can create sanctuaries there. Absolutely. Excuse me, in spaces that they wouldn't normally be in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's now it's time to do the checklist. This is the part of the show where we take a little break and ask you a quick question you probably probably wouldn't find on a loan application. Uh, Stacy, I'm going to start with you because we're very well-mannered here. Is uh, What's the best career advice you've ever been given? Well, somebody very wise once told me, never be scared to hire somebody that's smarter than you. You're only as good as your team, and it's really important to have individuals on your team that are well-rounded and good thinkers. And you think you've done that? I think so. You know, I've inherited the team that I have at Southeast Louisiana for the most part, but overall I'm very impressed with them. They do wonderful things for the environment and for conservation. And uh, why do people make that mistake of not doing that? You hear that all the time, where they, they keep hiring people... I think sometimes egos get in the way. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, but it, in the end, it's, it's kind of a um, self-defeating uh, plan, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, wow. we'll come back and bite you for sure. Now, how many people are you in charge of, by the way? We have 25 employees full-time, which um, is really not that many when you consider we're responsible for managing over 150,000 acres of land. And wow. environments and habitats vary drastically from... Um, coastal wetlands to marshes to bayous to hardwood forests. Now David I'm going to ask you something different. I'm going to say if you could change one thing about New Orleans what would it be? I think it would absolutely be the rooftops. (laughs) 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 They're dark, they're hot, they're nasty, they're a liability to hurricanes Mm. um, and I I, I, I have something that fixes that. How long does your roof last for? So this is really cool. It's a sustainable option. It, 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 we can do one roof for life. So it typically lasts for 10 to 15 years, and at the end of the 10 to 15 year mark, we come inspect it, and then we spray another two, another two layers down, and it renews the warranty, and it extends it for another 10 or 15 years. So again, not having to replace the building's roof ever. Our slogan is one roof for life. The reason why I ask is we have a leak in one of our buildings. And with Obama's initiative to go green in government facilities, it sounds like a very good option. Yes. <laughs> we'll come take a look. That's right. If we could make a single sale on this show, I think that would be, uh, make me feel pretty good. They, uh, let's uh, check the inbox. Now, our producer picks a question that's come in over the past week from a listener. Grant, what have you got? Peter, we had tons of questions this week, actually. I picked one for each of our, our guests. Stacy, this came in for you. From Marion Dunn-Smith on Facebook, she asks you, how many Christmas trees were collected last year for the annual Christmas tree drop? And is this effective erosion control or more of a feel-good public relations outreach? I think it's a combination of both. I don't know 
overall how many Christmas trees were collected, but I know it was mountains and mountains of Christmas trees. It's wonderful for wildlife. It does create um, berms that help with erosion. So I talked a little bit before about marsh plantings. It creates soil that is able to accumulate. So we're able to plant marsh plants on there that helps with erosion. And then it's also a really good training exercise for the for the local um, um, National Guard. They're able to come in in their Black Hawk helicopters. They pick up the Christmas trees and they drop them in a specific predetermined location that we decide where we need to plant these Christmas trees in order to help with erosion. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. And it's also, it's been going on for 22 years successfully, so it's a really good, good project and program for multiple partners. Uh, David, here's a question for you from our guest from last week, Katrina Breeze, actually. Oh, wow. She asks, could reflective cars or other property reap similar benefits? To School buses. Cool. School buses. So, mm. yes, it, it works. So they, would, they do put it on school buses now. They put it on 18-wheelers or refrigerated 18-wheelers that goes on top of those. Um, anything carrying, especially carrying an air-conditioned good or children. Hey, Stacey, i got to ask you a question. Yeah. What do you do every day? That's the part I think that would interest people. Well, what I do personally every day is more on the administrative side, is meetings and emails and answering inquiries that come in from the public. Um, but we have refuge managers and others that get out into the field, whether they're doing habitat maintenance, um, such as marsh plantings or prescribed burning, or studying the endangered red cockaded woodpecker. It's just varied. No, what kind of woodpecker is that? The red cockaded woodpecker. Was that what Woody was? No. No, no Woody was a pileated. <laughs> I'm gonna be able to win things in bars now. That's great. They, uh, wow. And then, do you, and you must be the person though that uh, organizes and comes up with what the projects will be over the over the year. What you're gonna undertake? They uh, certainly we do have brainstorming meetings where we all come together and we talk about projects that we would like to like to implement. And that's got to be kind of difficult in a way because there's so much to do and you've got to prioritize based on resources and time? Absolutely. Um, there is a lot to do. As I said, 150,000 acres require a lot of habitat management, um, a lot of in interaction with the public to allow priority public uses and recreation activities. Um, and we do. We have a limited staff and also a, a very limited budget. We get about $4 per acre to manage our land. I love what you're doing, and I think a lot of people would like to do that for a living. How do you get into a career like this? Uh, I count myself very lucky. I came in and through a non-traditional way. Before I started with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, I was a secondary science teacher in Colorado, teaching environmental studies to mostly seventh graders. And I was able to get my first job with the Fish and Wildlife Service in visitor services as an education specialist. And I've just sort of um, moved, moved around from there into operations now. So it, it is a very competitive agency to get into. A lot of people do want to work with the Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, I would recommend a degree in biology, wildlife management, and also intern and volunteer opportunities is a really good way to get your foot in the door. Um, we Last year I think we had about 14,000 hours of volunteer time from individuals coming out to help us with specific projects and then also college students that really want to learn who we are and what we do. And, uh, and, and a lot of these students actually need community 
hour credits, right? So this would count, I guess? It sure would, especially with high school students. It seems that's a requirement now to graduate is to have community service. It wasn't service. when I was a kid. It wasn't didn't, when I was a kid no, either. No, <laughs> didn't at all. How long have you been in Louisiana? I've only been here for four months. Wow. Yeah, I'm well, a newbie by yeah. way of Atlanta and before that, Colorado. Will you run out of these towns? or No, that, not that, at all. No, I can imagine you. that would not be the case. <laughs> they, uh, it's, and you know what? You're probably attracted to these brown uniforms. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm yeah, thinking, Who I'm wouldn't be? Yeah, who, who wouldn't, wouldn't be? be? That's the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> it is nice not having to decide what I want have to wear in the morning, though. That is the one plus of the uniform. <laughs> David, we spend a lot of money and effort in New Orleans trying to keep the outdoors out and keep the sun and rain out of our buildings. Stacy, in the bigger picture, we know we need to preserve the outdoors in the form of wetlands and barrier islands so the elements don't wash away our whole city. It's an ongoing battle on two fronts. There is, I guess, thankfully, no end in sight because I don't want to live anywhere else. Uh, thank you for taking the time to sit down today and fill us in with all your individual contributions and in keeping us, uh, that allow us to stay here. Uh, thanks for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, thank you for having me. You guys were great. Uh, my guests on Out to Lunch today have been David LaMoran from Green Star Cool Roof Coatings and Stacy Armitage. Uh, she's the project leader of Southeast Louisiana Refuges Complex. You can find out more about David's cool roofs and Stacy's wildlife I love that part, by following the links on our websites. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, and live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our show today is engineered by Chris Keogh. Jennifer Brady is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to all past shows and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments.